Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westman demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm creating mystery, can you tell? Is it like your orc voice? Is it orc whatever movies? <laughs> That's, isn't that Lord of the Rings? What movie are we talking about? <laughs> I'm Iris. I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Today we're talking a movie from 2023 available on Paramount+. Plus. Say the whole thing. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. It should be noted, Dungeons and Dragons Among Thieves 2023 is in fact the sixth Dungeons and Dragons movie. No kidding. And the first that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> I did see the original a thousand years ago because it was a movie and because blah, blah, blah and swords and stuff. Uh, I remember almost nothing about it. I remember Jeremy Irons was in it and I thought it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. But you play Dungeons and Dragons. You literally sit down with other humans. Well, I'm dragged to play Dungeons and Dragons. It's never been my thing. I put the dragon in Dungeons and Dragons. You mean you put the drag the in drag. Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. Okay, what happens when you sit down? How many people are there? Come on, Four? you've seen Stranger Things. Don't make me explain this nonsense. Okay, and then who's like the master or like the Lord Card person? The master of the dungeon? Like, isn't, don't you guys have like a leader? Yeah, a dungeon master. So who's the dungeon master when you play? Megan. And then how long do you play for? Hours. For me, it's just a, it's a snack fest. Whatever we like have a bounty of snacks and I just eat continually for hours upon hours. Like three hours, like five hours. It can be as, as long as five hours. But sometimes we have sessions like social sessions where we just catch up and it's like an hour in or whatever. It'd be like, OK, now time to play. Wow. And then you does someone win? No. Well, you're, it's it's a make or break. It's your party or nobody wins. Everybody fails. Everybody dies. I think they called it TPD or something. Total party death or something. <laughs> OK, so one for all and all for one. But it's a very important thing. And if you get caught up, it's extremely important that you win, because if you die, these are ramifications for characters that you that may have been alive for decades in your real time life. I am. So the problem that I have is that I've always been dragged into this fantasy nonsense and I'm a survivor and a recovering addict from World of Warcraft and prior to that EverQuest, which is firmly D&D. &D. It just takes out the paper 
paper and the dice. So it rolls all that stuff for you. And sometimes you get critical, amazing hits. And sometimes you utterly fail and your stuff shatters. And when you die, you die for real. And I, we had talked before, you know, on the all those Maury talk shows and stuff. My husband can't stop his video game long enough to come to dinner with the kids. But it's not like that. You can't just pause because you have a group of 60 other people who all agreed to convene at the same time to fight this thing. And if you're not there, you could play a critical role where they all die. And it sets you back an experience that could be days or weeks worth of experience. And it could be hours in recovery time. It's a very real time thing that is so dorky. So dorky. <laughs> and, 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 and because it takes such dedication, there are character stats, there are sheets that are meticulously filled out. Each one has different statistics. Strength is higher than intelligence and dexterity and charisma. All this kind of stuff that you have to fill out beforehand and update every time you hit a different level. In the video game, it just goes ding. And in the on paper, you have to keep reworking that list. I chose a warrior because warrior go smash. Warrior goes go stab. And that's all I have to do. I don't have to have a spell book and a binder full of junk. I just, just, it's my turn. Hit it with the sword. <laughs> okay. And what is your character? Is it an, is it a one specific character? Because I'm a big dude, I like to choose like the smallest character possible. So technically, I am a gnome. And gnome is the smallest race of creatures. They're even smaller than hobbits, which are comparable in the world to halflings. There are no gnomes in Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves, even smaller than that. And so it's funny that there's a gnome with a big giant sword or a hammer or whatever the heck. In my case, I'm, I'm a rogue. So I'm stealthy and have rapiers and little daggers and sneak up behind stuff and stab it in the back and run away. Okay. And all the traditional uh, classes of characters are in Dungeons and Dragons. There are, is a, the paladin is Reggie John Page, who's a, you know, great character. There's the bard that Chris Pine plays and the barbarian that Michelle Rodriguez plays and the tiefling, which is a little magical druid character thing that Beverly from It plays. And who else? And the magician guy who's a bad magician. And that's funny. And Bradley Cooper. And Bradley Cooper, who I guess in this movie is the closest thing to a gnome who's just very little. He seems strangely proportional. Very proportional and very sweet. So last D&D question for context. Is each D&D game that you play discreet or do they build on each other? Like individual build over time? No, it's absolutely a cumulative game that go. Like I said, um, apparently... Like Henry Cavill, who plays Superman, is a big nerd. Big surprise that he plays Superman. Almost missed the Superman call when he was cast because he was playing Warcraft. And Vin Diesel, and these are like the tough guys, right? Vin Diesel, who's like the family and the cars. And he's also Groot. And he also has Melkor, which is his D&D character that he's literally been playing for decades. So that character is very high level. It's it's a completely different persona that very much has a life of its own. And if he were to die, like that would be tragic. <laughs> okay. I think we're level seven or something. He probably has like a level 50, whatever it is. So each of the characters in Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves is a game archetype? Yes. Not only that, the characters, the villains... Everybody has precedent. The only thing that I heard that is not legitimate in the world of Dungeons and Dragons is her particular kind of tiefling druid cannot transform into a werebear or an owlbear. Oh, 
that was just a creative liberty because owl bears are dope. Right, because they have to te- they have to test it a little bit to see if the nerds are paying attention to be like, oh, you can't do that. Maybe it gives them something to harp on and focus on, and like be up in arms about, so that they overlook the fact that this was that the story was the typical formulaic man on a mission. He assembles his team, they complete the mission against all odds, and they vanquish the baddie. It's basically a heist movie, right? But there are many things to heist in a sequence of events that ultimately leads them to the rune of reanimation. Is that what it was? The, are you talking, wait, what? No, the tablet of reanimation. Oh, yeah, the thing that brings people back to life. But you can only do it once. Right, but you need this, the the helmet or whatever first and blah, blah, blah. And they have to go somewhere to get a thing. It's a piece of the puzzle, Indiana Jones style. The helm of Urquhart. Why not? Why not helmet? Why just helm? I don't know. <laughs> Is it like you have to use old Englishy type words like chalice? <sighs> Tablet of reawakening. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Tablet of the thing of the Ta- the, the MacGuffin um... tablet. <laughs> yes, the exactly. But he had it the whole time, or did he get it back from Hugh Grant? No, he had to get it back from Hugh Grant, who had it. So Chris Pine. Michelle Rodriguez, Dork, and the Sorcerer all Dork. are on the mission. <laughs> Doric, but I'll take it. <laughs> They're a bunch of flunkies and failures and thieves on a mission to, first and foremost, help Chris Pine retrieve his daughter, like um, the Grey style, right? Uh, was, yeah, so, yes, there, yes. But that's Why after is... he, he let his daughter get taken or whatever because he caused the death of his wife. I get it. He was a bad dad. He comes around with promises that he's going to be a better dad, right? And he definitely demonstrates within the within the movie that he's a better friend, right, by choosing to revive Michelle Rodriguez. But why is Kira, the daughter, such a prize? Like, why does he grant value her so highly? Is he using her? Or does he simply just like her that she brings out the good in him? Because it's like the Princess Bride or the never-ending story or whatever. You know, these wrote sort of tropes and we needed to make this not about dorks and dragons, but about family and love. Okay, so what specifically is Hugh Grant's interest in Kira? He is a bad person whose path led him to where he can't have a loving, trusting kind of thing and would never have a daughter like her ordinarily. So he wants that thing. Even if he has to take it from poor Chris Pine. Okay, but doesn't that shouldn't that make Hugh Grant's character like sympathetic? Well, that he wants something good in his life, and yeah, they were all sympathetic except he screwed the hero. Like he totally screwed him over, and then let him be caught. So speaking of the hero, so Chris Pine is our hero, and he is definitely channeling his best Jason Bateman throughout his performance as Edgen. 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 He's definitely Lone Star to me. Lone Star from? Spaceballs. Oh. He's like the rogue. He's like, but he's not. He's a bard or a minstrel or whatever. But he's definitely the the on his own roguish kind of charming character. And he has this wonderful mix of doubt and unflappable positivity. Yeah. He's sarcastic. Is that, is that what that is? Well, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a dry sort of, yeah, it's a charming, roguish, James Bond, Indiana Jones, Lone Star kind of thing. 
He's just he's just the unflappable failure who won't be stopped. I mean, I really my the biggest takeaway from this was you got to pivot. We pivot. I was like, yeah, Chris Pine, we pivot. Yep. We live to fight another day. I mean, this is obviously a takeaway from my professional life, but I was I was feeling it. But I also really felt Holga's death. You felt Holga's death? Yeah. I mean, so did you note in, I mean, we're jumping way ahead. So in rewatching it, I, I was like, yeah, she definitely sticks her. And while you don't see the blade overtly, you definitely hear the stabby sound. Did you catch it during the fight? Nope. Because the first time I was like, whoa, that was a thing? No, I guess not. Because they don't show her for another 45 seconds that she's been wounded. But watching it back, she totally stabs her and you can hear it. You watched it back. I did. I watched it again. Because I we actually saw Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, in theater, in a in a, like sneak preview early screening. Like a wow. week before everybody else. And I was like, <laughs> oh, we're going to go. But I I had zero. I had negative expectations. Oh, right. Because, like, yeah. Right, because like, Kelly dragged you to the theater, right? By dragging Come me, on. she expressed her desire to see the movie, and then I got early bird Fandango tickets. Uh huh. And then you like obsessively kept on clicking on Fandango to make sure that you got center middle, right? Look, nobody, no, yes, <laughs> nobody was <laughs> like, oh my god, Dungeons and Dragons, because while this movie has cleared two hundred million dollars, it costs like one hundred and thirty to make. So they're not even even yet with the advertising and stuff. I mean, everyone was like the creators of Dungeons and Dragons. They saw it and they were like, we're just glad it's good. It doesn't have for the nerds. It doesn't have to be financially successful, but I don't think they're going to be able to make another one unless this picks up huge streaming numbers because it's not. I mean, while it was good and while it was fun, it wasn't lucrative. And that is really all that matters in terms of getting it made again. Well, I mean, in this cinematic climate breaking evens not something to scoff at i'm <sighs> happy for hasbro and for e1 i'm not sure what kind of movie this was supposed to be event streaming subscriber getter or nerd niche thing i don't think it's niche they really went they really went for the game of thrones crowd and the princess bride crowd the comedy angle they went for action and fun and like you know a, a heist movie i guess but I think they really had, it was pretty rounded. And I think they were trying to get as many butts in seats as humanly possible. Okay, maybe, because it seemed like they weren't cutting corners. I don't I don't know if they were pulling out all the stops, but Chris McKay, uh, you know, is, is no certainly no slouch. We just, dis, we just discussed uh, his latest directorial, what's the word? Venture? Sure. Which was, of course, you know what it is, right? No. Was it, was it the mother one? <laughs> No, it was Renfield. Oh. Renfield. And so he wrote on Dungeons and Dragons. Like they were, you know, they put real talent, I think, and they put real effort into making something of substance here. I mean, I agree. If you had told me that the budget for the Dungeons and Dragons movie that they were pitching was $130 million, I would have said, are you crazy? Get out of my office. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe that's not why you're not a studio exec. Right. But this movie also didn't. I mean, look, I, I wanted this movie to do well, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't sure that it was going to, but I would have been very shy about that budget that size for a movie with this potential. OK, so what worked for you? I've been to these cities. I've been to Tribor and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. And I didn't remember if I was supposed to remember it. I didn't remember any of it except, a, oh, I've heard of that, you know, kind of thing. 
And I know these general character classes, but you don't have to be a Dungeons and Dragons fan, which is obvious because I got you to talk about Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, which is no small feat. <laughs> and it seems like because you're not all like dragging and like, my name is Iris, that you had at least a decent <laughs> enough time with, which was, with what was undoubtedly a genre picture, but not like so stuffy and for the nerds that it was alienating for everybody else. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The first the first hour was a little bit of a slog. I mean, this is a long runtime for a niche dork movie. Yeah, it's what through two and a quarter. Yeah, yeah. But you had Chris Pine being Chris Pine, and nobody tried to be anything that they were not. Nobody tried nope. to put on a thing. I don't think that Reggie John Page even had a, like a changed accent, and they were all in on it. That it, it was meant to be fun from the start, and I think that really came across. In the movie, because as much as they had to set up the lore and blah, 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 like you could never take Hugh Grant seriously as a bad guy from the start. And yet he's like a lovable kind of love to hate him bad guy. But like all the stuff, it was almost like he was it would be like a Jack Black comedian kind of role. But like or I don't know who it would like Ricky Gervais or something with the, the thing and the scorching hot tea and all those bits that he kept that he was so dedicated to. It was just a ridiculous character. Hugh Grant's character. Yeah. And they all kind of had their thing that was meant to be funny and entertaining. So that tone that it was necessary to set very early on, I think, was successful. And it made me ease back and be like, okay, it's more Shrek than it is supposed to be serious. (laughs) Shrek's a pretty good comparison. Did the love story work for you? Or love stories? Was there a love story? I mean, was it Holga and Ed? Well, you know, when, I definitely think there was a ha- there was half a desire there when she, when he was like, I could kiss you. And she's like, try me, try me. It was like it was a great performance on her part that I think could have gone either way. But uh, don't you remember Chris Pine and his wife have like that Romeo and Juliet moment under the covers, the sun drenched covers? Yeah, no, it was very sweet. Where she, yeah, he has that vision of her under the covers when he's looking off. But you get her off screen and she's dead by the time the movie really starts. And that's okay because the nerds don't know what it's like to have a woman. And so you couldn't have like a like a real serious committed love story in this movie. <laughs> like the nerds more relate to, may I have a second chance at courting you, please? Right, it's, it's the concept of what a love could be if you do things correctly. Maybe if I achieve this campaign, it will impress a lady. And maybe that was the sorcerer's deal, because I was like, shouldn't he be posturing a little bit more in order to impress the elf? But instead, he's like very, (laughs) he's, the whole time, he's just embarrassing himself in front of Dork. And he starts at a deficit. He already shot his shot, and she totally shot him down, right? Yeah. Well, prior to him introducing her, the movie introducing her character, we already know that there was a failed courting attempt. What about the whole Zastam thing? Is that an actual Zastam and the beckoning death? Is that all legit canon stuff? So in my post-viewing research that I do, that name came up, and apparently he is a serious big bad in D&D canon. 
very much a thing, very much uh, Baldi's big boss. And it, does someone, do people play Zastam or does Zastam exist somewhere else? I think Zastam is one of the things that people group together by the dozens in order to fight. I really have no basis. How about the chubby dragon? <laughs> Who does the raptor jump yeah, at the I forget, elf on the I forget bridge? the dragon's name, but it is definitely a real dragon. Not this unusually pudgy dragon that cracked the sneak up so thoroughly, but definitely also a big bad dragon and one of the other liberties that they took. It was a liberty? Well, yeah, to make him chunky, yeah, and cute. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if he was cute. I mean, he was definitely trying to eat them. Wait, you're a dork. You've watched far more Game of Thrones than I have. I don't understand. If you liked Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves and you play Dungeons and Dragons with your friends, like, I just don't understand why you have not sat down and watched Game of Thrones. I did. Like, you would enjoy it. I watched all of the first season until Sean Bean dies, which is not a spoiler because he (laughs) dies in everything. It's not. He dies in literally everything. But I didn't like the theme. I felt it was dark and drab and ugly and not cool. I don't know, man. I really tried. I sat down for the first season. It just didn't win me over. And people were so fanatical. Plus, HBO cost a premium. So I never followed up. And I don't feel like I was missing anything. I'm on the bandwagon for almost everything else of this type. It's just that one never really... Like, I actually gave it a shot. A good long shot. And it was like, eh. That said, also, it's like uh, it's like multiplication or any kind of math. If you fall behind, you're hopelessly lost. Because the mo- the world moves on. Everybody's talking about it. Every single thing that happens in Game of Thrones, I know it all because it's instantly spoiled. Because people online can't shut up. And so what's the point of watching if I know everything that happens? I never said I wasn't a Game of Thrones dork. I literally dressed up as... Um... Yep, you know the, the name, mo- and now you're the- pretending not to remember the fantasy <laughs> name. The Mother of Dragons for Halloween, yeah. you know, at the height of uh, Game of Thrones fandom. And, yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. We we hosted a, a, a watching party for the season for the show finale. Uh, nerd. But Dungeons & Dragons, I have to say, is, a, is probably an apt comparison because it's very intimidating. Like, I don't do D&D because it's so intimidating. Like, and who's got time for that? It's If it's hours and hours of investment and it's, you know, assembling multiple people multiple times, like, who has time for that? It's a li- literally a lifestyle choice. If you're going to make time for it, then that's your time. That's what you have time for. <laughs> D&D is a lifestyle choice? A hundred percent. Almost nothing has been more true than that statement. All right. You don't understand. I'm like a recovering victim. I spent literally years of time playing World of Warcraft and EverQuest combined. Just like tinfoil over the windows, like no difference between day and I night. I lived in Indianapolis for years. I did nothing else. It was game and go to work. Did you? Period. And that is not an exaggeration. Did you wear adult diapers? No. <laughs> so, uh, and so it helps for me because it wasn't figuring stuff out on paper. Like we never grew up playing games where you had to keep score on paper. It's just it's all self-contained. And the movies and the games are self-contained because they plop you in the middle of the world where you don't have to do any work. And there's a finite amount of time. I think two hours and 15 minutes is pushing maximum length for a D&D movie to sustain, to have your interest the whole time. And so it was fine to be put thrown in the middle of it. I have a question for you. 
all these characters exist, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure if Jarnathan exists in the world or if Jarnathan was a made up character. Both of the directors are named Jonathan. So I don't know, that was pretty close, but he's waiting and making his play for parole. Both of them, Helga, Holga, and Ed Ginn are trying to, and they're like, no, let's wait for Jonathan. Was Jonathan going to be, because he is a, of a race that apparently is much more receptive to personal pleas and emotional motivations and things. So were they really hoping that he would hear their case and then he just came in late and they had to resort to plan B? Or was their plan to always grab the dude with wings and jump out the window? <laughs> well, knowing uh, Chris Pine's character, there were probably multiple plans in play. I think plan A was, yeah, appeal to the sympathetic bird. I think they had some pre-existing relationship with him too. And plan B may have been to, you know, further manipulate him in some way. And then plan C, they actually acted upon, which was to basically kidnap him and then ride him out of the dungeon castle. Tower but how thing. would they have done it? If he was seated up with the rest of the high council, how would they have gotten him down and close to the window? Well, how did they? He strolled in and he was like, hey, buddy, and like, like hugged him or something and then <laughs> oh, just grabbed, right. pulled him backwards. That's right. They would have had to wrestle him. Oh, and we cannot fail to mention what the filmmakers, you know, fully admitted to. They said they wanted to make a Princess Bride style movie, adventure fantasy movie, but there was also lots and lots of influence from Monty Python, and they made no secret of that. So we have to talk about Monty Python, at least, you know, just to acknowledge its uh, its role in Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, I have, I'm not brushed up on my holy grail, but go. Um, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's a lot of nerdness there, too, that I'm not necessarily a fan of. I think I've seen Holy Grail one time, and I know the major bits because they won't shut up about it in popular culture. But just that it was meant to be funny and tongue-in-cheek in the best kind of way. <laughs> I remember the Knights of Neat. See, right? And is that funny? I don't know. But if you have context, apparently that's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> there are probably more listeners than not. Well, actually, I don't I don't truly know, but I, I would say for the listeners like me, they would benefit from a little bit of context. So thank you for imparting your experience, strength, and hope, not only with Dungeons and Dragons, but your addiction and recovery from other, what do they <laughs> call them? Thank you for them? acknowledging I'm, I'm in recovery. A MMAs or A MMOs? MMO or? RPGs, massive multiplayer online role-playing games. Right. So all of that ESP, ES, experience, strength, and hope, ESH is very important good and good context for our, our listeners. So, you know, thank you for sharing, Wes. And now uh, the time has come for you to give your final rating on uh, I liked this movie. It was fun. It was way better than what I expected. But Dungeons and Dragons, zero, like the opposite of expectation. I wasn't even like, maybe this one will be better. At least let me check out the trailer. Nothing. Because I didn't care. I was like, oh, God, a Dungeons and Dragons movie again. But I went and I had a surprising amount of fun. I think that everybody was really well cast. I never would have pegged Chris Pine as a dude to do something this dorky. I could see it for Beverly, for um, what's her name? Dork. Yeah, dork. I could totally see it for Michelle Rodriguez, I guess, who is has been in like 15 movies with Vin Diesel, who's the biggest dork of all time, probably was in her ear. About, I'm shocked that Vin Diesel wasn't a part of this movie, but whatever. 
Hugh Grant also doesn't seem like the type, but had a role that can only be described as delicious. They had the clever switchy up thing with the portal of import or transportation, portal of blah, blah, blah. And all that was fun. And I like heist movies. <laughs> and I was very, that's the best word is I was relieved. <laughs> okay. Does that equal all right? Yeah, absolutely all right movie. And the best Dungeons and Dragons movie I've ever seen. Dungeons and Dragons was a string of set pieces tenuously connected by this mission that our rogue team was on, which were all centered around their own MacGuffin, right? It's just a means to convey all of the different lore, but it didn't lack charm. And Chris Pine, I think, set that tone early on and throughout. So kudos to Chris Pine. And I was glad, as I always am, to see Bradley Cooper. (laughs) Michelle Rodriguez uh, is badass and doesn't fail to deliver. The supporting characters all played their kind of fun and also charming parts. Sure, I can give Dungeons and Dragons a a good. Chris Pine does. This is his kind of movie, this fantasy movie where he lets the strong female character fight while he fumbles around in the corner. I'm going to call this... The cool runnings of fantasy adventure movies. What? 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 Why? No. Why? Because they they have the boss who cheated and stole, like the main protagonist, the John Candy character. That's Chris Pine. And he stole stuff. And he was discredited or he was imprisoned and lost his credibility and his standing. Right? And then he assembles this motley crew uh, to go on a mission to do something no one's ever done before. And then the one dude stands up to his dad. Uh Okay, first of all, this is like your second or third Cool Runnings reference in like the last four reviews, which is just bizarre. And second, nobody in the last 20 years has seen Cool Runnings. We should cover that. (laughs) All right. If we can get one listener to make an official request for or whatever movies to cover Cool Runnings, then we will cover it. That is the challenge. And you can submit that request at orwhatevermovies.gmail.com. 818-835-0473 via text or voicemail. You can also find other reviews that we referenced today at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's our discussion on Dungeons & Dragons available on Paramount+. Plus. Honor Among Thieves. Uh, Honor, yes. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Hass Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid. 
Country Cam.